Welcome on in, humans. Welcome to part two of Don't Be Afraid of Your Shadow. I'm just going to jump right in and pick up where we left off. Again, I'm reading from St. Catherine of Siena, Preacher of Freedom, Mystic of Fire, Preacher of Freedom. That's St. Catherine of Siena, Mystic of Fire, Preacher of Freedom. In the last part, I finished with uh, connecting the shadow to minding your own business and not judging others. And I'm going to continue on, jumping off from that, where Paul Murray says in this chapter, Catherine repeats statements of this kind over and over again. Don't waste time in idle talk or in meddling in the affairs of others, feeding on your neighbor's flesh and grumbling in rash judgment. For God alone is supreme judge over us and everyone. On the question of judgment, however, there was one thing that greatly puzzled Catherine. From an early age, she had received the gift of reading souls. Sometimes when at prayer, she would see one individual in light and another in darkness. Did this not mean that she was, in some sense, sharing in God's judgment? The answer Catherine receives from the Eternal Father in the dialogue is sharp and clear. Leave this and every other kind of judgment to me, because it is my prerogative, not yours. Give up judgment, which belongs to me, and take up compassion. Even if Catherine should happen to observe in a particular individual a confused and darksome spirit, she should not assume that that person is guilty of serious sin. Often as not, the father tells her her judgment would be false. The darkness that she perceives could indeed, it's true, be an indication of sinfulness, but it could also be a sign of a mysterious grace, that phenomenon later mystics would call the dark night, that God is working in the soul. And knowledge of the difference between the two kinds of darkness is available only to God. Catherine's task, therefore, in spite of her many extraordinary gifts, was to pray, not to judge. Compassion, the Father tells her, is what you must have, you and the others, and leave the judging to me. That's why Catherine said, Don't judge other people, mind your own business. God first said it to her. He told her, I don't care how many gifts you have. That doesn't mean that you are me. Those gifts come from me and they are only partial in you. You can't judge them. I am their judge. So she passed that message on to other people. And Paul Murray continues, Over time, Catherine came to understand that she had no right simply to condemn evil, evil from the outside without first admitting her own complicity with evil. This is why she would instinctively offer advice such as the following. The vice you thought you were recognizing in others, put it on your own back. It's always, it's also, why she did not hesitate to make the following direct appeal to some of the women closest to her in Siena. Be compassionate about my sins, which are the cause of the evils committed throughout the world. Catherine, we know, was forever exhorting others not to be afraid of their own shadow, and yet, on at least one occasion, we hear her exclaim, My own shadow has made me afraid. Fear in Catherine's understanding was almost always regarded as having a destructive potential, and yet she admitted to her spiritual director, I confess and do not deny that this root has not been weeded out of my soul. Catherine knew herself profoundly. That self-knowledge that we talked about in the last episode, she had it profoundly. Why? Because God pointed it out to her. 
God pointed out to her that she was just as much of a sinner as anybody else. And she was in no place to judge them. So she passed that message on to other people. And told them the vice. You thought you were recognizing others. No, put it on your own back. And we don't like that. I don't like looking at my own sins. I prefer looking at other people's sins. That's much more fun. No. It's not okay. It's destructive. And the woman who told other people, do not be afraid of your own shadow, knew that fear herself. She even admitted to her spiritual director, my own shadow has made me afraid. And I confess that these sins are not yet rooted out of my soul. So you have encouragement there. It took her all of her life to get over it. To continue on with what she confessed and exhorted to uh, her spiritual director, Raymond of Capua, that other letter where she says to him, I confess that it's not rooted out of my soul yet. It was written to Raymond of Capua. And here I have from another book, that I've read from before on this podcast called The Passion Passion for the Truth, Compassion for Humanity. It's a collection of spiritual writings from Catherine of Siena. It was edited by Mary O'Driscoll. In this book, there's another letter, or an excerpt from a long letter that Catherine had written to Raymond of Capua, her spiritual director, where she says, In the name of Jesus Christ crucified and of gentle Mary, Dearest and beloved Father and Son in Christ Jesus, given to me by our gentle Mother Mary, I, Catherine, servant and slave of the servants of Jesus Christ, write to you in his precious blood, desiring to see you true sons and preachers of the incarnate word, the Son of God, not only in your words, but also in your actions. You will learn this from the Master of Truth, who first practiced virtue and then preached it. In this way you will bear fruit and will be channels through which God will pour grace into the hearts of your hearers. When a soul is not selfishly self-regarding, but considers herself in God and God in God, because he is supreme, eternal goodness, worthy of all our love, contemplating in God the effect of his burning, consuming love, she finds in him the creature's image. And in that image, which is herself, she finds God. In other words... The love a soul sees that God has for her, she in turn extends to all creatures. She immediately feels compelled to love her neighbor as herself, for she sees how fully she herself is loved by God. When she beholds herself in her source, the sea of God's being, she then desires to love herself in God and God in herself. Like a person who, on looking into the water, sees his or her own image there, and in this vision loves and delights in self. Those who are wise will be moved to love the water rather than themselves. For if they had not first seen themselves, they could not have loved nor taken delight in themselves, nor could they have removed the mark on their face revealed to them in the water. Reflect on this, my dearest sons. We can see neither our own dignity nor the defects which spoil the beauty of our soul unless we look at ourselves in the peaceful sea of God's being in which we are imaged. That is the source we came from, when God's wisdom created us in the divine image and likeness, remain in the holy, gentle love of God, 
Gentle Jesus, Jesus love. So here we see Catherine mixing metaphors as she usually does. She talks about God being a gentle and peaceful sea. And then the water, that water that God is, we can see ourselves. And she's relating that to, you know, humanity is created in the image and likeness of God. And so when we look in God, we see ourselves. And we not only see our dignity, but we also see our faults. So we can come to understand and love ourselves. But if we are wise, we won't love the image that we see, but we will, we will love that which has shown the image to us. As she says, those who are wise will love the water, not themselves. They will love that thing by which they have seen themselves, instead of just loving themselves. So what she means to say is that when we look at God and we see ourselves, if we are wise, we will love God and not just ourselves. And when we do love ourselves, we only love ourselves because we see how much God loves us. And more importantly, we will give that love that God has given to us to other people. We will give that instead of judgment. And when we see ourselves in God and we see the way he has perfect, he is working to perfect us. He is working to make us whole. He's working to make us clean. Then we will see that work that he's doing in other people. And we'll be less likely to judge them. Again, it's going back to what I talked about in the previous episode about diverted anger. Diverted anger and projection, pushing our faults onto other people, comes from not being able to correct that fault in ourselves. But when we look at ourselves in God, and when we confess those sins to God, and when we rely on God's grace, we don't have to be angry anymore. We can see the source of healing. We can see that defect being being perfected, being taken away. And then diverted anger just dissipates. We don't, we don't need to be angry at other people. We can instead have compassion on them, as God told Catherine in the dialogue, to have compassion for them. Look at the way that I have compassion on you and give that to other people. And it's amazing to see how Catherine, who was given so many great gifts to be able to read people's souls, God even shot her down and said, nope, you, can't, you still can't judge them. Because even though you have a gift, it's still not complete. You still will not know whether that person is actually in a state of mortal sin or grave sin. Or whether I am simply allowing them to be tested. I'm allowing them to go through a period of darkness so that their soul will be cleansed. You, ultimately, will not know the difference. Only I know the difference. Only I know what state their soul is in. Just the same as I know what state your soul is in and no one else does. You don't like it when other people come up to you thinking that they know everything about you and they just need to give you a laundry list of all the things that you need to do to make yourself better. We don't like that. So we shouldn't do it to other people. Right? Golden rule. Now, I'm going to move on to another section from the dialogue that 
builds upon this whole theme that we have started with, you know, minding your own business. And then we've moved into don't be afraid of your own shadow and see the way God loves you and corrects those faults when you give them to him and then give compassion to your neighbor. We're going to move on to another analogy similar to the water one that Catherine gave to Raymond of Capua. You move on to where we see God initially giving a similar analogy to Catherine. This stuff is not original. Oh, how do you you like that? God first gave her an analogy, and then she gave an analogy to somebody else. This is not originating in Catherine. It's originating in God. Here's a section from the dialogue that shows this very clearly. God says, As the soul comes to know herself, she also knows God better, for she sees how good he has been to her. In the gentle mirror of God, she sees her own dignity, that through no merit of hers, but by his creation, she is the image of God. And in the mirror of God's goodness, she sees as well her own unworthiness, the work of her own sin. For just as you can better see the blemish on your face when you look at yourself in a mirror, so the soul who in true self-knowledge rises up with desire to look at herself in the gentle mirror of God, with the eye of understanding, sees all the more clearly her own defects, because of the purity she sees in him. So God here uses the analogy of a mirror, explaining that he himself is like a mirror, showing not only the dignity of the humanity created in his image, but also the work of sin. And when you come to true knowledge of yourself, the the double dignity and need for purification, need for for removing sin, when you see that, then you will understand that you need to give compassion to others. And so God gives her an analogy of the mirror, and then she turns that around and uses the water as an analogy when she explains this to her spiritual director, Raymond of Capua. I found that humorous and also fascinating and encouraging for us that, you know, it's okay. It's okay to uh, take what God has given us and give it to others. We wouldn't consider that plagiarizing. <laughs> Just rewording it, paraphrasing, you know, we, we, we won't consider it plagiarizing because God wants you to give everything that he has given to you to others. He doesn't give it to you for you to hoard it. He gives it to you for you to give it away to others. And this actually, this section here in the dialogue is also a reference to 1 John 3, 2. What does 1 John 3, 2 say? Let's quickly find that. It's the uh, first letter of John in scripture, in the New Testament. Oh, internet is being slow. First John, chapter 3, verse 2. What does that say? 
Come on, John, speak to us. First John, chapter three, verse two says, Beloved, we are God's children now. What we shall be has not yet been revealed. We do know that when it is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Hmm. We shall see him as he is, and we shall be like him. When it is revealed, when God chooses to reveal it to us. So God is telling Catherine, it is only when I choose to reveal to you who you really are that you will know. And you will see me clearly, and then you will see yourself clearly. And furthermore, the footnote on this says it's also it's also a reference to James chapter one verse twenty four. What does that say? Let's see. James chapter one. Verse 24. This is the letter of James. Let's go down. Verse 24 says, He sees himself, then goes off and promptly forgets what he looked like. We need to read more verses. Be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deluding yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his own face in a mirror... Oh, there it is. Sees himself, then goes off and promptly forgets what he looked like. But the one who peers into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres and is not a hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, such a one shall be blessed in what he does. Oh, we've heard this one many times. We've heard this one many, many times. God, in scripture here in the letter of James, is exhorting us to look into the mirror of myself, of God, See yourself in me. See that you are made in my image and likeness. See how much I love you. See how compassionate I am toward you. See how merciful I am toward you. And don't forget that. Go out and give that to other people. Be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Because when you just listen to what God is telling you, yada, 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 that's nice, but you don't actually do it. As James tells us, it's like somebody who looks at themselves in a mirror walks out the door and then forgets what they look like. That doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? So, what God is telling Catherine here can also be found in Scripture. He has said it many times before. And then Catherine takes that as she is practicing being a doer of the word and not a hearer only. She goes and tells other people. Passes it on. And exhorts them to also do the same thing as she said in her letter to Raymond of Capua that you must first practice virtue before you preach it. Because that's what Jesus did. Jesus practiced virtue before he ever preached it. And it's a good thing to remember that when Catherine is telling other people about these things, she's telling herself as well, as we saw in in the uh, beginning of this episode, where she confesses to Raymond of Capua that she herself is afraid of her own shadow. She herself sees so much sin that she has not yet 
rooted out, that has not yet been rooted out. So oftentimes, when she is exhorting other people, she's exhorting herself at the same time. And also, more often than not, what she is passing on to them is what she has heard from God. What God has pointed out to her, she then passes on to others, knowing that you can't just keep it to yourself. You can't just listen and say, oh, that's nice, God, but I'm not going to do anything about it. Nope, can't do that. So now, to close, this is part two, to close this episode, I will pick up this book again, Passion for the Truth, Compassion for Humanity. There are excerpts from letters Catherine has written, there are excerpts from the dialogue, and there are also prayers, prayers that Catherine has written. One of them is titled, You Are a Peaceful Sea. And to close this episode, I'm going to read this prayer. Catherine says, Godhead, Godhead, eternal Godhead, I proclaim and do not deny it. You are a peaceful sea in which the soul feeds and is nourished as she rests in you in love's affection and union by conforming her will with your high eternal will. That will which wants nothing other than that we be made holy. So the soul who considers this strips herself of her own will and clothes herself in yours. O most gentle love, it seems to me you are showing that the truest sign people are dwelling in you is that they follow your will, not in their own way, but in your way. This is the surest sign that people are clothed in your will, that they see the cause of events in your will, not in human will, and that they rejoice, not in material prosperity, but in adversity which they see is given by your will, and motivated only by love. So they love adversity, just as they love all the things you have created, all of which are good and therefore worthy of love. But sin is not from you, and is therefore not worthy of love. And I, miserable wretch, have sinned by loving sin. I have sinned against the Lord. Have mercy on me. May that be our constant prayer. Lord, have mercy on me. And help me to show mercy to others. This is the close of this topic. I sincerely hope you enjoyed it. I hope that you found it useful and beneficial. And I hope that if you have, you will share it with others who you know, or perceive, or think, or God has told you, will also find it beneficial. May you have a very blessed day. God bless.